I'm Mel Stewart, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. Joining me today is a man who needs no introduction. He is a four-time Olympic medalist, two-time Olympic champion, former world record holder, American record holder, and he has this great new position with Speedo. And he's going to be heading up their philanthropic arm, and it's a perfect match for a man who was a Speedo athlete. Today we are talking to Cullen Jones. Gold medal, Mel. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> Buddy, I love you. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm blessed. I know for a lot of people, 2020 has been a rough year and don't get me wrong. It has been, but, um, the blessings of it for me has been, you know, being back on team speedo in a different role. Um, and quarantine stinks. I want to go outside. I really want to go outside, but the time that I've been able to spend with my one-year-old Avon has been, I can't ask for a better gift. So, Yes, it stinks, but I'm trying to look at the silver lining, Mel. Trying to look at the silver lining. You know, it's a, in context of this year, tough year, it's a, uh, we're not talking about this topic. And, you know, if you want to talk about it, we can. But it's a, in terms of our, our country exploded this past summer in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder. But it was a, it's, um, yeah, it's been a tough year. But for a lot of people, it, for as much as it's been a tough year, there's been these moments, these silver linings. I was talking to a fellow national team family member, uh, Megan Estein, who got the head coaching position yep. at Swim Mac, yep. and she's the first female head of a super team, which is a big deal. And when I found out that you got this new position, I'm like, you know, this has been a tumultuous year, but yeah. this is a really smart position. This is a forward-thinking move for Speedo, and it makes absolute sense. And then when I saw the news come come across our feed on Swim Slam, and I saw you the picture of you sitting there in your blazer, I was like, "Way to go, <laughs> President, President Jim Gerson at Speedo." It's like I, I like that guy. He's a good cat, and 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 um, it just it felt right. So it, it you must be excited. I'm I'm overjoyed, and uh, I'm going to take over your show for a minute because I, I think you you said so much that. I got to give you guys context because if we're talking about like silver linings, something that, you know, really impacted me, Mel, we, I've known you for so long, you know, my Instagram, you know, everything I do on social, we, we talk business all the time. And one of the things that I always did was I never put my political views out there. I never spoke out about those things because as a businessman, my, my focus was always so that brands could align with me and feel like, you know, we can work together. And after George Floyd, um, the day after I was um, at my house, wa uh, walking my dog, it was 10 o'clock, I was working um, at my previous job and I had my nice car out there. I hadn't even gotten outside of my parking lot, uh, my parking garage. And I saw this cop drive by, whip around, drive up in front of me. And uh, at first I heard his, his wheel screech. And that's what like shocked me. My dog, Vinny, he jumped and looked, we both looked and we're like, I'm like, what the hell? What is this? What's going on? Sorry, don't know if I can say hell, but that's how I felt. <laughs> he drove up on me and he goes, hey, is everything okay? I'm like, uh, yes, sir, officer. What's, what's the, seems to be a problem. He goes, 
well, you know, I just wanted to make sure everything was okay. Well, is that your puppy? And I'm like, yeah, he's a French bulldog. He's actually six. Oh, they're really, they don't get any bigger? No, 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 no. Long story short, I go into this long conversation about dogs. And then he ends it with, okay, just wanted to make sure everything was okay. And then drives off. And so at that very moment, that's what hit me. Because right after watching 24 hours of George Floyd co uh, coverage, just like everyone else in America, I'm watching this man after eight minutes and 46 seconds being lynched in modern day television. I walk outside my house and I'm profiled by a police officer because I have a nice house, a nice car, and I have a nice dog. And it's 10 o'clock at night. And what stands out is my six foot five muscular black frame. That, that was the problem. And so it started hitting me a lot of things. My one-year-old that's asleep upstairs, that if I was had too many cocktails because I'm an adult, or if I was upset in, in, in any way, that situation could have been very different. And that's what kind of hit me immediately. I put up a, 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 a Instagram post and I explained some of my experience. I didn't want to go too deep, but I really wanted to just get people excited about the fact that like this is a movement people need to stand up we need to get together and talk about these types of things and i know it's uncomfortable it is very uncomfortable but that doesn't mean that we don't need to have it so in that spirit i spoke to my my sister leah leah uh i keep saying leah smith sorry leah smith is also my sister leah neal and and i said to her i was like i told her what happened and she's just like what and I said to her, I was like, we need to get all of the black swimmers together. We need to just like, because like we're here, Simone's over here and, you know, Reese is at Cal and, you know, Leah's in New York and I'm here, Mertz is down here. It's like no one, we never really, Sabir, we never really got together. And so we started talking, we got everyone together. We started working with USA Swimming um, and it's nothing against USA Swimming. They did what they were supposed to do. Every brand was putting out things, talking about the, the things, but we felt like we needed something that was a little bit more to, to, the, to the, the, the issue that was at hand. And the best analogy that I've heard, I told you I was taking over your show. Um, the best analogy that I've heard, this is my Joe Rogan. This is my Joe Rogan. You're my Joe Rogan. I'm going to try to do my Kanye thing, but I'm going to take over. Um, I knew that like with all of us together, we could do something really big. And I know that the best analogy that I've seen is, you know, a fire department, all the houses are the fire department's number one importance, but it's the one that's on fire is the one that they'll pay attention to the most. And then the black community, that house is on fire. So when you put up an all lives matter post, don't get me wrong, you're absolutely right. All lives matter. I agree with you 100%, but it's our house that's on fire. We need the help. We just watched a man get lynched for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And so we talked to USA Swimming and within a week, they were like, is this good? Is this, is this, and USA Swimming, our national governing body, which I don't think I've ever seen, and this is all under Tim Hinchy and Shayna Ferguson and everyone there, this new leadership. I have never seen in the past, our athletes in swimming have a voice within swimming the way that we had a voice that day when they put out seven black lives matter in that post and it it just it made us feel so much better about being a part and representing this country because mel we put medals up for team usa and we want to feel like our national governing body is is supporting us 
And I have a large reason that that's also why Speedo approached me as well, because <laughs> they know that I'm very vocal about this. And, you know, when you talk about Jim, Jim Gerson, I cannot say high enough things about this man. Like, A, he signed me in 2012. So thank you, Jim. And I was able to work with him and be a part of Team Speedo and feel that unity about being a part of Team Speedo. But for him to come back and ask me for this job and I know a lot of people have asked questions like, well, oh, Cullen, oh, this is simple. This is an easy fit. No, I had to talk to my family. I had to talk to my wife. I had to sit back and think about my son because living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and our headquarters for Speedo being in California, can I make that move? Is this a good move for our family? I'm working at our hospital as a fundraiser to try to, during COVID, trying to build funds for our hospital to try to combat that. Is this a good move for our family? Um, so it took me some time, but hell yeah, Mel, I am super excited to be back in the sport and to be able to do something that I feel so strongly about with, with make a splash with the work I did at the hospital. And it, it just seems like everything's culminating in being able to finally do that at Speedo. Uh, I'm that, that was only about three or four minutes. I think you unpacked that pretty well. <laughs> it went pretty fast. <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, I, I really like the the new administration at USC. Assuming I appreciate that 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 you know under under Tim has changed that organization culturally, and exactly. the fact that he reacted so quickly was was fantastic. The um, our we, our mutual friend Trevor Freeland is uh, he he comes to mind, and I, and he we're 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 the same age, so I, I communicated a lot with him. It's like you know what do we do? What's you know what are your thoughts? And and um. He he was waiting in the background and in the wings, yeah. and uh, and he shared a little bit about what was going on behind the scenes with with you guys when you when you came together and when you came together, you had to come together first, and then you had to go to USC swimming, and then you had to say, okay, what's the statement going to be? What what I find interesting from a from a metric standpoint is okay, one uh, percent of United States swimming is black, six percent is mixed. But if you look at this tiny sliver of a percentage of our sport, and then you look at the at the talent and the medals won and the and the success rate, it is it's extraordinary. And and also for you know, so it there's every reason in the world to to make swimming accessible to everybody, but to also make our sport look more like the United States, which it doesn't right now. Right. And. Uh, Something that you've done, you're not stepping onto the philanthropic platform, a baby. You've been at this with USA Swimming Foundation and through their saving lives and, and building champions mission for a long time. But it, it, the, the foundation launched in 2004 and, and the seed of that was our sport doesn't look like the rest of the country and we have to make swimming accessible to people of all races and all socioeconomic levels. And it was, uh, but you've been the face and the driver of that. So you're coming, you're stepping into your position at Speedo as a seasoned pro. Uh, I've, I've witnessed you in the background and um, it's, it's been interesting to see it. I've watched you for years and years and years and now I'm rambling. I got to shut up, but I've always thought this one thing. I've always thought this It's like Colin should run for Congress or the Senate. Oh my God. No, man. Not after last night and in this election. Um, <laughs> I don't think I could take the stress. Um, you know, it, it's, and I appreciate that. I, I, you are not the first person to say that to me and um, I'm humbled by it. I, I think that 
um, being in this position at Speedo has really just opened my eyes to um, really how much work I've been able to do within swimming. Um, and I think it was two part, me stepping away from swimming and working at the hospital and having nothing to do with swimming. And then kind of coming back and thinking about, like you said, this is, I am not a baby to this. I, you know, I remember 2008 when I was first, I got the gold medal and then a friend said to me, you know what you just did for the sport of swimming? And I was like, ah, what? I got a world record. Yay. But you know, USA Swimming Foundation, Philip 66, they approached me, showed me the drowning statistics. And I'm like, all those people that made fun of me for wearing Speedos all of my life. And now that I have a gold medal, like those are friends and family that don't know how to swim. I've got to give back. I got to figure out a way. And so all of those long conversations with my agent and Rowdy Gaines, who was the head of the foundation at the time, and uh, Chris, uh, Chrissy Desjardins, who was at Philip 66 at the time. And I was sitting on those calls, listening and giving feedback, but just really listening to the inner workings of what the Make a Splash tour was founded on. Um, I'm implementing those in my life now. And that's what's insane with now with this position. It's, it's, it's not that the Make a Splash is still alive and well and doing great things. And you know, we're, we're still pushing that, especially right now with COVID, it's still important to get children to learn how to swim. You know, I know that things are shut down, but CDC said COVID does not trans, uh, transmit over a chlorinated water. So my son's in swim lessons, get kids in the swim lessons. We need to still be pushing that. But how else can I work? How else can I help? Can I help through corporate? Can I help through colleges? Can I help through, you know, it, it stinks right now that with COVID, all of these, these um, colleges are, are getting cut and hurt and, and, and their budgets are getting, you know, cut in half because of what's going on. I just feel like with now with Speedo behind me with this amazing brand that I love so much, how much can I do? Like I'm, I'm feeling, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm like, I'm excited because I know that we can do great things. It's just, how do we do it? How do we add to what Make a Splash does? How do we, do we partner with Make a Splash or is this Make a Splash doing what it's done and we need to focus on another realm? Like what, what does that look like? So I don't know if you can tell Mel, I'm excited. <laughs> There's a lot going on. It's, it's been, it, it's, it's been a tough year, but it, it, it's seeing this, see, I've, there are moments of great news that this makes me feel very bullish about swimming in the future. People are making good decisions, putting people in, right, in the right place. This is one of them. We, um, so right. I, I want to get, I want to talk about you and I want to talk about swimming and how your career, how I see it die. Cause I dove into the research. I did about three and a half hours yesterday. And, uh, but before we get on this topic and we start to nerd it up a little bit, yeah. Um, at what point in time, I know that, that this is a new position with Speedo and their philanthropic arm, but at what point in time will you come back and tell us exactly what you're doing? And, uh, and you have kind of a rough, I'm not, I don't want to pin you down on dates, but like, when, when does that kick off? You know, uh, I, I, I've been sworn to secrecy by my, my team over at Speedo, so I can't tell you guys too much yet, but we have something in the works coming up. Um, it is going to be next year, the first quarter of the year. Um, I would say let's let's look at about February, March area, um, and and 
thank you, Mel, for allowing me to come back on to share the great news that, that, that we're doing over here at Speedo. And, and um, I'm excited about it. So that's all I can tell. I can't. Sworn to secrecy. Okay. okay. We have one, we have one more <laughs> lifestyle question sure. uh, about, about call. Okay. It's, I was, um, we're, we're peers. We know, we know each other. Yep. Uh, we are Olympic brothers, but it's a, there, there's, there's something that people need to consider and it's, and it's a unique thing. And it's, uh, there's, there's winning a gold medal, but there's yeah. also being a speedo athlete. I was a speedo athlete and I, and in my mind, it's like that thumbnail in my brain. It's like just, it's, it's not, it's not as, as important, but it's really close. Can you, yeah. can you describe what it means to be a speedo athlete? You get to use the word speedo and not have to say brief. Everyone else has to say brief, Mel. Everyone else has to say brief. You know what? We get to call it what it is, a speedo. Um, let me tell you, you know, I, I, the one thing I said to Jim, I was like, I was almost in tears on the call when he asked me about the job just because I had applied two years before. Um, things were going on in, within the company. It just didn't work out. I had gotten the job, but it was just like, it was bad timing. And then for him to come back, it felt like divine intervention. Um, it felt like divine intervention for him to ask me. Um, but what I thought about was that first time, and I'm going to shout out Greg Eggert in New Jersey when I bought my first Speedo. It was black, flat black, white string, but it was my first time getting a Speedo. My first suit was a dolphin. I'll say it was a dolphin. But when growing up where I grew up, getting a Speedo was like, and now I'm able to work for the company and, and be able to be in meetings with product and, and merchandising and sales and to be the utility knife for Speedo and work in all of these different groups. It, it almost teared me up. Not almost, it did. It teared me up to say that like it, it's come full circle. I was an athlete for Speedo. I bled this brand. I loved it. Like when you were a kid, that's what you wanted to be. You know, for basketball, it was like, who do you want to be? you're Jordan you want to be with Nike you're like that is what this feels like and to be able to, to to be a part of the team and continue that with the team and now you know I'm, I'm helping um Haley and and Kathleen and Caleb and Ryan and I don't have to say last names because you guys already know Team Speedo but that is just an amazing feeling you know the interesting thing is you, you talked to we, we talked a little bit privately and uh, and I told you something and it's like I, I the audience needs to consider this if you're ever out there and you're thinking about a career in swimming and you know maybe you, you don't you didn't make the national team but you swam D one or you have you, know, you have this lifetime of swimming experience there's sometimes there's a reticent when you're moving into a career that has a it's a, in the aquatic space and my response to everybody is you've already got your phd you've forgotten more than most people know when you're in this industry right now i see you this is to me this is like this is the cullen jones postdoc it's uh, <laughs> yeah it's you're you're you really do have a sense of power and ability to be creative and move in interesting ways. And the fact that it's you and, and I really like, we're going to have Jim on the show. We do a CEO series. We're going to have Jim because Jim's a really cool cat. Uh, he was the, was the CEO before and they brought him back. Very smart move. But uh, so I, I can't say enough. Let's yeah. nerd it up now. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Three hours. That must have been really boring of research. I am so sorry. I well, it's not. It's, but there, there's a lot of first. So, so we both, we both, we both were with David Marsh, and we both have a similar experience where we came to David Marsh, and frankly, it was late in our career, 
And uh, so I knew that experience. I, I wanted to name my, my, my child David and my wife wouldn't let me name our daughter David. <laughs> but uh, you came to him in, uh, before the 2008 trials. And um, you were, as, as, as David Marsh would describe, you were a raw talent. Yes. And uh, we didn't know what to expect in 2008. Yeah. The interesting thing that, that, I, that you know, I, I forget about it is that you know, everyone knows the story. You, you were on the 4x1. The 4x100 freestyle relay is perhaps one of the most storied events of the 2008 Olympic Games. And uh, so you were part of that narrative. But that's a tiny piece of that narrative. That's the cherry on top. Yeah. At trials, you got third in the 50 free and 100 free. You were mm-hmm. on the cusp of swimming individually. And shame on me, I never even thought about that. But you're in, the, you're in the third place club. You're in the third place club a lot, buddy. I'm I in the third place club too. Lot. I was third place <laughs> in 96. I, I didn't make the, I, I got a third place. But yeah. how much did that define you? And what did it mean to you? Oh man, it's such a great, that's a great lead up, Mel. And this is why I love coming on your show because you don't ask me the typical questions. <laughs> no, I mean, like we talk about David and David was, is such a father figure to me. I can't, again, another person that's just been so huge in my life. Um, and it started well before 2008. And it's, there was, I was, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I it was maybe my performance in, in NCAAs, but I remember my first NCAAs, my sophomore year when I went and, oh man, I was watching Fred Bousquet and he was lightning. Texas lights out. You had Pearsall, you had Brendan, but I'm watching Fred Bousquet and I'm like, ah, oh, that's the guy. You, I got it. I got to get that guy. I got to be that fast. Um, and of course you had Drew Dragania, Dewey Dragania. You had other people, but like, it was Fred and Auburn was at its peak winning everything. And I remember swimming and I was upset and here's this guy, this fro walking out to me and says, you gotta work on your kick next year. And then walks off. The, the, the man with the fro was? The man with the fro, of course, is David Marsh. It's a and red I'm fro. Like, oh. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because all the guys like painted their hair like um, gold or no, um, uh, Auburn or orange at the time. But yeah, like he comes up to me and says that to me. And I'm like, oh my God, like, okay, I, I, that's, that's what I'm doing next year. So I worked on that. And then the next year, my junior year, he goes, been working on that. You got to work on your start and then walks away. And I work on that the next year and I put it all together my senior year. I end up winning the 50 freestyle and I beat one of his swimmers, Cesar Cielo. And he walks up to me and he goes, great job. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just being able to win in, in, at that time was, it obviously blew my mind. I was excited because like the thought of becoming a professional was, um, it was clear. It was golden. And it was the year that I would say the only other year of athletes coming out of college that were bigger was the year where Simone and Caleb and, and, um, um, oh my God, Brandon. Ryan Murphy, Ryan Murphy's coming out. All of them are coming out of that same yeah. year. The year that I came out was Grievers. It was me. It was Lochte. And so it was a big year. Katie Ledecky was also coming in. That's sorry, Katie. I love you, girl. Um, but all of us were coming out. And so 
finding the place, like where are, where are people going? Where are people going? And finding my place was very important to me. And when I got that 50 freestyle, I knew that like at that point, being a professional athlete and for swimming was, was real. I could do that. Um, in 2008, I was still swimming at NC State and I felt like I personally was in a rut. It wasn't the coaching, it was me. It was just like, I was used to it. And I remember calling the national team coach, Mark Schubert and said, I, I need, I, I'm not gonna make this team. And now in 2007, I'd gotten second at, at, I'd gotten second at Worlds. I was on the world record relay. And I said to him, I was I, I don't think I'm going to make this team. And he's like, well, what's the matter? I was like, I'm in a rut. I don't know what to do. He goes, well, who do you trust? Oh, David, David Marsh. And he goes, well, he's in Charlotte, two hours away. Go down and see him. This is in April before trials, two months before trials. And I'm making a shift. I literally that night hadn't told my coach, packed my car. Luckily, my cousin was living in Charlotte at the time. Again, divine intervention. And I move in with him and his wife in this small room and I go to practice the very next day with not at the time Team Elite, but Team Elite. And for that two months, David was like, okay, we gotta work on your tempo. And I was like, my what? And he goes, oh my God, this kid doesn't know what tempo is. And, and he means raw because he had to teach me all of these things that a lot of the swimmers that he taught, he already knew. I, they already knew what was going on. And I was just, I was literally a sponge, just taking everything in, working my face off, never missing a practice, doing everything I could because I knew that, yes, the year before I was at Worlds and got second, yes, that Olympic trials, everyone was paying attention to me. I had to show up. And I think, Mel, you know, I hate the 100. It's too far. It's too far for me. I like, you know, you give that to Ryan, you give it to Michael, you give it to Kayla. I like the 50. So when I got third in the 100, I mean, you know my first thought. Ooh, tomorrow's the 51 lap. If I can do it there, I can do it here. So I swim the first 50, get the American record. I remember right before Jason Lezak looks at me and goes, you're about to go lights out in prelims, aren't you? And I'm like, yep, American record. I get second in the 50 free. 21-59. Got the record. I was super stoked, especially because I was swimming against my idol, Gary Hall Jr. And for me to be able to do that, it just solidified for me in my mind that this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be at this level. Um, swim semis get second, swim my final. And I'm not gonna say it's Gary in his everlast bedazzled robe. And you know, it was me, Nathan, all of us. I just remember sitting there in the ready room for finals and we're underneath the stands and they say the 50 freestyle. And before we were able to walk up, Nathan turns and looks at me. He goes, Is the, are the walls shaking? And I'm like, uh-huh. They were shake, jumping up and down upstairs so much that the walls were shaking. I get up on the block. I take my mark, go. And I swim, in my mind, personally, the worst 50 freestyle I'd ever swam. Um, and that small, yeah, I made the team. But to me, that was a defeat because I knew I was ready. I knew that I had everything in the pot of culminating things that I needed to be at the best of my time. I had it, it was there. I just didn't do it at that moment. And so I went back, I got upset. My mom said, you don't know what God has for you. You made the Olympic team. You don't even know what's coming, but the team is gonna need you. And I said, okay, mom. 
But I was upset, Mel. I was, I counted it as a failure. I counted that entire meet as a failure. Yeah, I'm going to the Olympics. Yeah, I counted it as a failure because I, that's my yeah. event. That's the reason why I've led into this and said, shame on me. Like reading into your background going, shame on me. Cause we just remember the cherry on top, the gold medal, the story right. four by one with the Lee Zach anchor saving the Phelps medal. And then everybody's celebrating on deck. And the picture is probably the most viewed pictures in swimming. But right. I'm like, no, in an athlete's mind, there were two thirds there. And there's a story behind those two thirds. That was, that was, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, so you were so upset you had to check in with mom. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. She checked in with me because she knew where my head was. <laughs> she came to my room and was just like, you know, I always make fun when I do speeches and talk because my mom always gave me only, you know, 20 minutes to, or 10 minutes to really pout. And I remember her coming up to me and I came to my room and she was rubbing my head and, she, and I'm in tears because, again, yeah, I made the Olympics, but like, and I think that that's what's so amazing about us as Olympians. Like, yeah, great, we won, but it's not, that's not what we're focused on. We're focused on where we, where we didn't do well. And so even at, at the Olympics, yeah, I just won a gold medal. Yeah, I just had a world record. Yeah, I'm the first African-American to have a world record. Yeah. But watching Cesar Cielo win the 50 freestyle, when I knew in my heart I was ready to race that 50 and I just couldn't do it. That was the pinnacle for me. That's what hurt the most. That's what I focused on. Not the gold medal. I was focused on, I did not get to swim the 50 freestyle. So going towards 2020 or 20, 2020, no, not swimming 2020, <laughs> 2012. I knew that that I had to, I had to change it. What's interesting is that your brain wires a certain way when you beat people and you, you know what it's like to beat Cesar Ciala. Not a lot of people can say that, yeah. but your brain wires in a certain way. It creates an expectation. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting that you were at the point of tears. Your mom, your mom checks in with you and you have to do a reset. Yeah. The, uh, I, I didn't think, so by 2009, you break the American record at yeah. U.S. Nationals. I'm, I'm standing next to Marsh when you do it. And then I go, I'm literally watching a replay. And I think Josh Davis is standing next to me and we're all going, WTF touch <laughs> the pad. Like you didn't touch the pad straight on. It looked like you touched the pad to the side. I'm like, yeah, I did. you were 21, four. And I'm like, was, was that a 21, three, one, you know, what was it? it? It looked like your finish was rough. Yeah, it, it definitely was. There's two things to that Mel. And it, 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 it haunts me to this day. Not anymore. Cause Caleb just destroyed the American record, but I guess it was maybe eight, nine years later, Nathan touched the wall and, and got it and took my American record. And he's my brother, another team member from Team Speed. I was so happy for him. But in my heart, man, that's my record. <laughs> I, was, I was so happy with that record, saying I was an American record holder. And he, he took it by two, two hundreds. And there were two things about that race that I, I sat back and I said I would do different. I was still very new. I was still learning. I was still that sponge from David just throwing the encyclopedia of knowledge that he has in his brain. He was literally just throwing it into me. And I'm trying to like pick up and, and navigate everything. The start, the hand position, the like, Mel, after that 2008 gold medal, I came back and David did not let me swim freestyle. He said, you can't swim freestyle. 
And I was like, wait, I got a gold medal. What are you talking about? He goes, you don't know how to swim freestyle like an adult. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, did you see what Fred Bousquet did to you? He ran you down. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, we're going to make sure that never happens again. And so for the next six months, I swam backstroke to get fit again. All I did was backstroke. He wouldn't let me swim freestyle. And so two months before that, that actual uh, nationals, he let me, he was like, you figured it out. Opening your stroke. He figured it out. Yes, yes, yes. Now let's train freestyle. So for two months before I got the American record, that is all I, I swam backstroke for four months and two months I got to swim freestyle. I wanted you so, to go over the barrel. He was trying to get you to get to the bigger was, stroke. I was always swimming like this and super narrow. And when you look at Fred, he swims with this straight arm. He is just powering through. And I'm like, he had me watching. Exactly. <laughs> and he's, he had me watching video all the time. He would send me videos of Fred swimming. And I'm like, all right, all right, I get it, I get it. But I finally figured it out. And then I was able to do it. So two things that I would have changed in that race. One, I got into my head that I knew I could win. So I wore the laser when I could have worn a jacket or the X-Glide, Arena X-Glide. And so I think my time would have been a lot faster if I swam in that. Um, and then the second thing, I jammed the finish. I jammed the finish. You, you did. You jam the finish. Let's, let's, this, and our, some of our listeners might be a little bit young. I'm, a lot of our listeners are older and they understand exactly what you mean. So in 2009 at the time, so Speedo, the laser racer, had panels that were near uh, that were rubberized and flotation mm -hmm. and compression. And the Jacket and the Arena X Glide were full. There were no, it wasn't panels. The entire suit was rubberized and compression. And uh, I actually tested these suits and you, I, I would dive in and I could glide and at 25 yards to the other side without kicking. Yep. Yeah, they were extraordinary pieces of technology. Definitely faster at the time because FINA screwed up the rules. FINA didn't hold the line and, and have some sort of quality control. So if you're young and are out there, these suits were like Formula One cars. And some could go 290 miles an hour and some could go 250 miles an hour. Exactly. And so that's, I, I would have, because my, my time could have been a 21-1 easily in that suit. You know, I'm not going to say that I could have gone as fast as Caleb's done, that, that he, is, he is an amazing, amazing talent. And, and I can't, and as a person, he's insane. He's just such a great guy. So um, I would never take it away from him. That, that guy would swim. He's the reason why I retired, man. And I didn't even say that I retired, but I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. <laughs> it's in good hands. Caleb's got it. <laughs> We're down to about seven minutes, and I don't want to miss this, because you, you went back to, to, to 2012. On the run-up to 2012, I didn't think that you were going to do it. I didn't think that you were going to perform. Yeah. And because I was like, uh, I was like, I don't know how consistent this training is. And, and, uh, and, and Marsh was like, no, he's a big meat swimmer, and he's just strong as an ox. He's going to be fine. Yeah. And he's like, he goes, he puts on like, you know, 45 pound plates and does pull-ups. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, your experience, your, your, your 12, your 2012 Olympics was your Olympics. That was your moment. Yeah. Uh, tell me what, you know, what was happening there and, and how do you feel about the performance? It was very varied. It was very dramatic. You guys didn't win the four by, by 100 freestyle relay. Yeah. 
So one of the things that I always tell people, because they always ask about, you know, setting goals and, and trying to maintain, you know, your focus when you're going towards your goals. And you're absolutely right. In 2012, everyone was focused on Tony, Anthony Irvin, and Nathan. Um, and for me, 2011, I swam at our world championships, didn't even make semifinals, wasn't swimming well. And you're right. My life went from 2008 from 2008, I was thrown into this different life. My life changed. I was celebrity at that point. Like I was able to do things. I was able to hang out. I was able to have a life, Mel. And I was kind of the glitz and glamor of that stopped me from being focused. But that meet is what actually was the pivoting point because David said, he's like, why are you doing this anymore? You know, and if you're looking, if I, the way I looked at it, that was like my dad saying that to me. Like, why are you doing it? You have the gold medal, you have the world record, just stop. And then I remember Bob Bowman, Michael Phelps's coach, he goes, you know, this sucks. And I was like, what do you mean? That you're up here watching the 100 freestyle and the relays because you can't get your training together. And I'm like, oh, ouch. And Bob, I have that relationship with Bob. Bob would pull me aside and, and tell me the real. Um, I get home, my mom says to me, you know, what was that? after I swam and you've met my mom she's such a nice lady but she doesn't even know my times all, all, all the pillars in your life Every David Mark surrogate dad Bob Bowman who's a titan Bob and then your mom yeah. that's, oh, everybody that's awful. yes and so here I am it's now August I'm back home and I remember I went to nationals swam terribly and David's like all right training starts right now after this 53 that you bombed go do a two mile run. And on that two mile run, that's when my mom called and I was like sitting there and I'm like upset and I'm just run, running and tears in my eyes. And I need to make this very known because this is, I'm speaking to the whole swim nation, my, my brothers, sisters, however you self identify. I want you to know, I love everyone that I race. They are friends, I am friends with them. Cesar Cielo is a friend of mine. I am friends with Fred, all of these people that I race. When we're behind the blocks, there is ice in these veins. But other than that, we shake hands. That is real, that is real love. But Cesar said something, and I forget the news outlet that picked it up, but he said it would take a natural disaster for him not to win the 50 freestyle. Oh, okay, Mel, that's what did it. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that, it wasn't David, it wasn't my mom, it wasn't Bob. It was his confidence that he was going to win. And if uh, my friends, family, everybody knows, don't poke the wolf. Because I went to NC State. I'm not a bear. I'm a wolf. Don't poke the wolf. So I went back to training. That's all I did. I started swimming and I knew that no one was going to be paying attention to me. So when I went to trials, everyone was focused on lane four and five because Tony and, and Nathan are there. And from lane one, I'm out, smoked that first 50 of the 100 freestyle. I remember hitting the wall saying, I'm in front of Nathan. Oh my God, this hurts so bad. <laughs> my whole body was just burning because I, I worked so hard, but I was like, I'm making this team. I shoot back to the wall. I get second in the 50. I get first in the 100. Uh, I get second in the 100, first in the 50. And I'm able to go to the Olympics and, and be the premier sprinter swimming both events. And so um, the 100 didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to. I kind of got stuck in a rhythm and it just didn't go as well as I wanted. The relay, yes, didn't go exactly the way we wanted. Uh, the French came back and took it. 
back from us. Um, but I knew my, my performance, I was happy with my performance. Um, I swam like an adult, as, as, as David would say. <laughs> I, uh, I swam well. The 50 free, um, that one hurt. That one hurt. And this is what I tell everyone when I say my focus was always to beat Caesar because of what Caesar said. I never said that I wanted to win first place. I said I wanted to beat Caesar. So when I touched second and I beat Caesar, yeah, I got my goal. I never said I wanted to win. And so when Flo hit the wall, it hurt. It stung. And I remember going, because I knew I won. I knew I was ahead of Caesar. And I touched the wall. I was like, yeah. And I remember looking at my mom and she's like, you better smile. <laughs> and I just started smiling and I'm like, yay, second. It, it hurt. But at the same time, it was one of those moments. And you're right. It was my Olympics. I, I swam uh, a 47.6 in the prelim relay of the medley relay that morning, um, solidifying in myself in my head that I can go 47 easy. Um, so I was very pumped at that relay or that, that whole meet. And um, I, I would say next to 2017 coming back with a new brain, we're swimming with NC State. That was my, that was my moment. It, it, winning three Olympic medals. I know. I know it's varied. It's always a varied story for everybody. These are these are. It's it's an emotional roller coaster. But you know when you you know coming off of winning a gold in your first Olympics and then following up with three medals, there's something magical about a three medal. And I can tell you what that magic is. If you win three medals in an Olympic Games, and you won a gold from the previous one, yeah. what you get paid as a, as an ambassador and a star. It's yes. very, very different. It, very it changes. It, it changes, and it's a good thing. But you, you earned it. I, what, what I, what, I have to share this one little insight. Tip, yeah. my, my, my wife Tiffany is a co-founder, so I'm sorry. I mean, she follows it. She's a non-swimmer, but she follows the sport closely. She has an entertainment. She has a background in the entertainment industry. But she, we were so excited at trials in twelve, and she looked at you and she goes, "He's going to go fast." I go, "I know. I can see his cheekbones." She goes, "Right, you can see his cheekbones." <laughs> because in those intervening years yeah. when you were enjoying your celebrity life, yeah. I wasn't seeing those, those, those cheekbones, man. I was, I was like, he's not lean. He's not lean. He's, he's enjoying himself too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to your point, I definitely yo-yoed um, when it came to diet and, and getting right and being right for stuff. And so I honestly, <clears throat> it was something I struggled with, but as David always said, you're a boxer. You're 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 a boxer when it comes to swimming. And I, I was never Nathan Adrian. Nathan, he can maintain. He'll maintain that, you know, his diet, his stroke, everything is just so perfectly balanced and maintained when it comes to how he races, his just his ethics towards swimming, which is not only why I think he's been in the sport and just doing so well, it's how he's been so consistent. I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't in my DNA to do that. So I, my work ethic was here, but I always knew, and this is what David always said, and you said it too, when a big meet came on, oh, he was going to be ready. And, that, and that's the way it was. When the lights were shining brightest, that's when I wanted to step up. So I would cut weight. I would make sure that I did everything I needed to do to be ready at that moment. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. I'm not saying that this is the right way. Kids, don't do it. Be like Nathan, be like Caleb. But for me personally, um, I think that's what kept me in the sport as long as it did was because I gave myself that break 
to have cake and pizza and things. But I knew when I needed to cut it off, I was disciplined enough to do it. We're down to our final two minutes. And this, you know, it, this is the elephant in the room. It's the, it's the most true statement. It's the statement that everybody who's ever won an Olympic gold medal wish they could say. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm striving for it. I'll put it in this context. You win, you win Olympic gold and, uh, or two. We both yeah. won two. I won two, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you win an Olympic gold medal, you want your career post-swimming to be equal to or greater than what you accomplished as an athlete. And I'm trying to do that and with, with our business. But you've achieved that. You, you've done that. That's something that not, a lot of folks can't say that. But I think that your impact out of the water is going to be bigger than your impact in the water. You had to get, you had to do it in the water first to be in this position, but it's um, so your legacy is going to be written about this second chapter. Do you think about that? What does that mean to you? You know, that's, that's deep Mel. I mean, definitely it's something that I I think every day I'm I'm still trying to think about how that is forged. Um, And I, and it's something that Eddie Reese said to me, well, he said to the team in 2012 and, it, everyone knows he's the godfather of swimming uh, or one of them I will say because there's a few um, but he said to the Olympic team he goes you know why I know we're gonna win this Olympics and we were sitting there we're looking at all these other teams that have all these stars and we're like what what do you mean he goes you guys aren't here after trials because you guys like to win it's because you hate to lose and if I can tell you anything about two of my brothers, when Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte, when I play cards with them, they hate to lose. So <laughs> hating to lose is my motivation. To me, I'm always looking to the next thing to how, do I, how can I push it to be more successful? How can I be successful in these different realms? So now that I'm at Speedo, it's like, how can I be successful within Speedo? I, the same way that I looked at that Olympic gold medal in 2008 is, yes, this is great but my weakness was the 50. Yes, this was great that I got second place, but it wasn't first. Um, I hold myself to that standard. So I think I'll be 80 years old in hopefully a really nice home with my son married to whoever he chooses is worthy um, and telling my story. I think that's my moment when I'll say I'm done. But until then, I keep pushing and forging, Mel. I'm looking at what I'm weak at and trying to fix that. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.